So do you know my name? That's our brand new series. Come on, say it with me. Do you know my name? That's what we're going to be learning throughout the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about the names of God that we find in the Old Testament. Something that David wrote grabbed my attention about six weeks ago, and I couldn't let go of this verse. And that's really where this verse just kind of led me down this path for pathway, this path to, to, to come to this idea of a series. And so here we are. Let's take a look at it. Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you. Those who know your name trust in you. God wants you to know his name. Say that with me. God wants you to know. Turn to the person next to you, look him right in the eye and tell him, hey, God wants you to know his name. He really does. It's kind of like God is trying to brand himself. Anybody know anything about branding in our culture? It's, it's kind of like he's trying to do that. Branding is a business buzzword today, and all of us experience branding to one degree or another. If I say the name Apple or Microsoft, something comes to mind. If I say the name Gucci, Nike, or Levi's, something comes to mind. If I say Starbucks or McDonald's, something comes to mind. If I say Google or eBay or Amazon, something comes to mind. If I say M&M's, Coca-Cola, Doritos, and Heinz, something comes to mind. If I say Ford, Toyota, Honda, Chevy, guess what? Something comes to mind. You know why? That's called branding. Branding. Some people think it's just about a logo. It's not. Branding connects an image to a name. It, it connects a name to an identity. In fact, a brand is whatever a person thinks of when they hear your name. Now, here's the interesting thing. You even have branding going on in your life personally. When someone hears your name mentioned, what do they think of? You have got your own brand, your own trademark. It's true. Everybody does. Brand is whatever a person thinks of. So, so name is, is so important. I mean, co companies will trademark their names. They will spend, you know, thousands, millions of dollars to trademark names. They don't want anybody else to use their name because a brand is the way people perceive you. Branding, if branding is successful, people will connect who you are and what you do to your name. I think that's why... God introduces us to himself in the way that he does in Genesis 1. It's a key name that he uses. Take a look. You probably know this verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on, let's say it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You probably didn't even know, but right there, God is branding himself. He's saying, flash, here I am. This is who I am. That's what he's saying to us. I want you to circle that word God on your outline. Hopefully you have that full page outline. Um, throughout this series especially, you're going to want to use your outline because it's going to help you remember and learn and all that stuff. Circle that word God. In the English translation of the Bible, if you don't know, if you're new to this, um, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, which is an extremely difficult language to understand, to read, all of this kind of stuff. 
but um, it was originally written in Hebrew, and then it was translated, or what some people say transliterated, um, because sometimes a literal translation is it's too difficult to find. There's, there's like a word in the Hebrew is just, there's no word for it in English. And so they just give us a word that's kind of close to what the Hebrew is intending to, to convey. But in the English translations of the Bible, do you know the word that they use most of the time for the word God in the Bible is God. And, and you know, like in this verse, we read this word God, and we have to admit it, it expresses little, very little about God. It doesn't tell us a whole lot about God. It's just simply a, a designation of a supreme being. In our mind, that's the way we read it. Oh yeah, God. But if we step back to, to the language from which the word God was translated, the original Hebrew, the language, keep in mind that the language that, that you know, uh, Moses used, the prophets used, the language which the first written record of God revealing himself to mankind was used, the Old Testament in Hebrew was, was written. And if we step back to this original language, we find that God was expressed in several names. Not just the name God or Lord, but there were several names. We, we find so many different names of God in the Old Testament. And so the first question that comes to mind for me is why did God have so many names? Right? I mean, why does, why does he do it that way? Why does he have to brand himself in so many different ways? Well, if you think about it, most of us have different names. Now, I'm not talking about your aliases that you're trying to keep from law enforcement. I'm talking about just different names that people call you, Right? I have several names that I am called. I am called Mr. Coffee. I am called Bart. I am called Pastor Bart. I'm called Dad. I'm called Pops. I'm called Honey. Now, each of my names, my different names, means something different. Okay? Uh, if you call me Mr. Coffee, guess what? You probably really don't know me. You ever get those calls? Uh, could I speak to Mr. Coffee, please? And it's like... Sorry, he's not here right now, right? Because <laughs> this person does not know me, right? Um, but if you call me dad, you're closer to me, closer than a lot of people. And then there's only one person on planet Earth that calls me honey, and we are very close. You understand what I'm talking about? Okay. So, so if we have all of these names. Every one of us have different names. And so God has, get this, over 80 different names that's used throughout the Bible, 80 different names that refer to God. And these names reveal very distinctive aspects of his character. And, and honestly, the only reason he's revealing these things to us is to help us get to know him. In fact, I want you to fill in this first blank. By learning the names of God, we get to know him more. Come on, say it with me. By learning the names of God, we get to know him more. Say it one more time. By learning the names of God, we get to know him more. It just kind of has a flow to it. And that's what we want to do throughout this series is learn the names of God. God's names matter. They matter. When you read a different name of God being used in Scripture, and some of our English translations, they'll have a parenthesis with a name or a footnote or something. When you read that, please don't read past it. Sometimes there are names that you can't, you know, you feel like you can't um, uh, uh, really say or, or um, you know, you can't really uh, interpret clearly. It, it's, don't read past it. Make sure that you're catching what the intent is. And we're going to really highlight a few of those throughout 
this series. But God uses these different names about himself, much like we would take a look at the different facets or faces of a diamond. How many of you know what that little instrument is? In fact, I have one, and I forgot to bring it up here with me. What is this little instrument on the right? Anybody know what that is, what that's called? It's a loop. It's, called, it's a jeweler's loop. Have you ever seen a jeweler use it? That's a little different. Sometimes they have just the eyepiece, and they, they stick in their eye, and they're taking a look, a really close look at, at a diamond or a piece of jewelry. And they, they do that when a jeweler, a jeweler uses a loop to look at a diamond. Do you know what they're technically looking for? They're studying, guess what, the character of the diamond. I think that's interesting. That's what we're wanting to do as we closely look at the names of God. He, you know, the, the jeweler will turn the diamond so that he can view several different sides, and he's trying to get a clear view of a couple of different things. You may know these as the four C's. If you have diamonds or you've ever looked for diamonds, the four C's are cut, clarity, color, and carrot. Those are the four characteristics of a diamond. And so that's what the jeweler's looking for. Let's go back to this opening statement now of God and him introducing himself to us, Genesis 1. Come on, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This word God is translated from a Hebrew word. You may want to write this down on your outline. It's the word Elohim. E-L-O-H-I-M. Elohim. And Elohim is an interesting word. In the Old Testament, the word Elohim is used more than 2,500 times. It's an important word. In fact, Elohim occurs 31 times in Genesis chapter 1. 31 times. We're going to take a look at that in just a minute here. The name Elohim basically sets God apart from everything else. If you, if you can you know, connect it to this verse, you begin to see that, that God created the beginning. In the beginning, God. You could just stop there. In the beginning, God. What is that trying to tell us? It's trying to tell us that God existed before the beginning did. So try to put your mind around that one for just a moment. Okay? God, God existed before time as we know it. He was there before the beginning. In the beginning, God created. He created all things. So nothing exists outside of him. God created time. He lives outside of time. That's why, by the way, Scripture refers to the eternal God. Because he lives outside of time. Um, You and I experience heaven and earth. We live in that space Uh, But God exists outside of heaven and earth, outside of space. And everything that we see is tied to the substance of matter. But God exists outside the physical components of matter. So get this down. God exists beyond time, space, and matter. That's what that verse is telling us. There's a lot in that one verse, isn't there? He exists beyond time, space, and and matter as we know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim comes from the root word El, which means mighty or strong. It's really interesting. I don't have this on my notes, but I'll just throw this out for some of us that, that like, like trivia kind of stuff. Elohim is actually the plural version of El. 
You're going to see how this plays out here in just a minute. Scholars believe that this is the first reference to the three-in-one God, the Trinity. If you ever want to have another proof that, that God exists as three-in-one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, here it is. It's in the name Elohim. It's, in, it's a plural form. We're going to see it in just a minute here in Genesis 1. But, but anyway, Elohim comes from the root word El, and it's frequently used to indicate the power of God, the great power of God. It's the same word El that is used uh, throughout the phrase Almighty God. Take a look. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. It's referring to the might, the power, the, the Elohim God. Moses told the people in Deuteronomy 10, the Lord your God, that's the word Elohim, the Lord your God is God of all gods and Lord of all lords. He is the great God who is what? Strong and wonderful. So it's Elohim. Interesting, it's used to describe the Messiah, the coming Messiah. The prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 9, his name will be wonderful counselor, powerful God, there it is, Elohim, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace, power and peace will be in his kingdom and will continue to grow forever. The Lord all-powerful, there it is, will do this because of his strong love for his people. But along with power, Elohim gives us another characteristic. So get this in your head. It not only gives us the idea of power, but it gives us the idea of creativity. Elohim speaks of being able to create, Genesis 1-1, let's say it again together. In the beginning, God, what? Created. It's not just the power to create, it's the ability to create. So he did it. He created the heavens and the earth. So God reveals himself as Elohim in the beginning. God wants us to realize his power, his creativity. It's Elohim who by his mighty power creates the universe. It is Elohim who can bring something out of nothing. If you know anything about these words throughout the Hebrew, it's talking about that God created the heavens and the earth ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. We have the creativity that God has given us as, as a race, a human race, but we don't have the ability to create something out of nothing. Only God can do that. And so God is showing his creative power. He speaks and it's done. The writer of Hebrews says, the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In fact, I want us to look at Genesis 1, and I know it's a little lengthy, but we'll, we'll get through it real quickly. And what I want you to do is as we read through Genesis 1, I want you to circle every time you see the word God, okay? Because, by the way, it's the word Elohim. Let's take a look at it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God called the light day and the darkness night. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. God called the space sky. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. God made two great lights, the larger to govern the day, which is what? The sun. And the smaller to govern the night. 
He also made the stars. Then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Remember I said that I would show you where the plurality of the name of Elohim comes out, it's right there. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God, come on, read it with me. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Hopefully you circled all of those gods. Every time that word is used in Genesis chapter 1, it refers to the name Elohim. Elohim. God wants us to realize a couple of things about him. You've got to get these down today. God is a powerful creator. He's a powerful creator. However you want to see it, however you want to think about it, God is powerfully creative or God is creatively powerful. I was thinking of that all week. It doesn't matter which, which you want to put in the front. He, is the, he has the ability to create because of his power. In all ways, in all circumstances, God is a powerful creator. Get this one down. God can speak anything into reality. God can speak anything into reality. God can speak with power. God spoke and the universe was created. So many, we saw it. Then God said, then God said, then God said. And all of these things were created. He can speak anything to reality. The last one, God can create something from nothing. God is powerful enough to create something from nothing. When there was nothing, he created. In the beginning, come on, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Paul says this in Acts 17. I love this passage. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he gives life and breath to everything. He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after him and find him. Look at this. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and exist. So as we wrap up this first study, I want to circle back to verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 1. This interesting passage here, and I want, you to, I want you to see this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Circle those two words, formless and empty. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Now, I know I'm stepping into a little bit of the technical use of, of the Hebrew language here, but this is, 
I got to, I'm sorry, I got to bring this because this is so good. The words that we have in our English translation, formless and empty, they come from two very unique Hebrew words. And and they rhyme, they sound alike. It's the word tohu and bohu. Say that with me, tohu and bohu, okay? These two words mean, get this, formless and empty. But together, they mean something different. They speak of a place. In fact, together, tohu and bohu put together refer to a place that is a wasteland. A place with nothing. Hmm. And I thought, that's the way life feels sometimes. Isn't it? I mean, sometimes you go through seasons where you feel like you are in the desert. And there is nothing. Nothing is working out. Nothing is turning out. Nothing is going on. It's just full of nothing. It is a place of nothing. A wasteland. And into this, God speaks. God says, let there be light. Let there be sky, let there be land, let there be vegetation, let there be the sun and moon, let there be the the, the fish and the secret, let there be animals, let there be human beings. Into this wasteland, tohu bohu, into this wasteland, God creates something from nothing. Isaiah says, for the Lord is God. And he created the heavens and earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not a place of empty chaos. And God says, I am the Lord. We're going to take a look at that name next week. I am the Lord. It's Jehovah. I am Jehovah. And there is no other. Friends, if you find yourself in a wasteland, if you find yourself in a place of nothing, you don't need to make things happen. You can't make things happen anyway. Into my life, into your life, God can come and he can speak with power. He can speak with creativity. He can create something when there is nothing. He can change your wasteland into a beautiful creation because that's our God. That's Elohim. Paul says, if anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have gone. Everything was made new. God can speak anything into reality and God can create something from nothing. This is Elohim. This is our God. Would you bow your heads with me?